good to be with you today. We are going to have our fourth Sunday, fourth and final Sunday of the Advent season. Advent is a uh, season to prepare our hearts for the coming of Christ. And so certainly we know that we celebrate his birthday and and on next Sunday morning, again, reminder, don't show up here, please. No one will be here next Sunday. Join us Saturday night, 6 o'clock. But what we're doing today and in the coming weeks is preparing our hearts again to celebrate his birth. But we're also preparing our hearts for his uh, arrival again a second time. And so today as we open his word, I have been praying that God would speak to each of us in a special way. So here we are, seven days until Christmas. I hope that you're getting ready. Um, I haven't got all my shopping done. Anybody else not done shopping? You know, I got a guy. Oh, good. Some of the ladies are raising their hands too. Okay. Uh, Anyway, what I want us to do today is to help get our hearts ready for this week and for this next weekend. This week, though, it started to look like Christmas, didn't it? I mean, we got our like three... Days of snow or frost or freezing rain, and once it melts, we're probably done again for the next 365 days. But good news with that is uh, we got to see the beauty of snow. The sad news is we missed some Christmas programs. I know some high schools here at Albany Christian School, they had to cancel their Thursday night program. And so I'm sorry that you missed out on some of those events. But uh, it is a great season. Maybe at your place, there is, like our place, a few presents starting to be put under the tree. And so this week was kind of the the week where some of those presents come out under the tree. And there was a morning this week, as I woke up, I just started thinking about my life. I started thinking about what I had to do that day, just thinking of some personal things to work through, some things at work, things like that. And I, I just started getting overwhelmed, and I wasn't even out of bed yet. And I was just, oh, And so I said, you know what I need? I need a Christmas present. Because if I open a Christmas present, it will make me feel better, right? So I went and opened a Christmas present before Christmas. I had to confess that to my wife this morning at first service. I said, I'm just letting you know I opened a Christmas present. Now before you think too terribly of me for doing that, I'm going to explain that a little bit later, okay? So I'll I'll explain that. So... Uh, some of yours, I did it, really. I opened a Christmas present, and uh, I just said, I got to do that. So anyway, I'll tell you more about that later. But I do want every single one of you to open a gift that we have from God. Sometimes we forget that it's a gift from God, but I'd like you to open this thing called a Bible, all right? This is certainly a gift from God, and uh, go ahead and open that. Turn with me, if you would, to John chapter 1, page 886 in this Bible sitting in front of you. If you do not have your own Bible, take the one in front of you. Put your name in it. That's a gift from us to you. Uh, but really, this is a gift. God revealing himself through this written word. And I want to look at some of that with you today in John chapter 1, page 886. And today we are going to consider the gift and the giver, the gift that God is, and the giver that he is. And so we'll do that as we look at John chapter 1. Now, regardless of what you may or may not be getting uh, for Christmas, regardless of what you may or may not have under the Christmas tree, I want you to know that you have a gift and you have a giver in God, and I want to point you to him today. So let's talk about this gift from above 
This is partly a review of where we've been the last few weeks, if you've been with us or not. Let me just walk you through this. John chapter 1, I want to look at verse 14. Verse 14. John, who was a disciple of Jesus, he had followed him for three years. Years later, after Jesus has been crucified and raised from the dead, John says, I'm going to write an account of this life looking back at it. And so John, this follower of Jesus, writes this book so that we would understand more of Jesus, so that we would believe in him and have eternal life. Let's look at this one verse, starting at verse 14. John, in his poetic language, says this, And the Word, or the expression of God, became flesh. And He dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let me stop there. And this is kind of where we've been the last few weeks. If you've been with us, you say, I'm almost getting this verse memorized here. A few weeks ago, we said this, that one, God took on humanity. And this is one of the things that John is trying to relay to the readers like us, is that God, believe this or not, the one who created everything, the one who's always existed, he took the form of a fetus, of a baby, of a man on this one planet, in this solar system, in this universe that he created. And he said, God became Man and took on humanity. And we talked about how Jesus did this to reveal the heart of God, to help us to understand what God is like. And he did this uh, with, by becoming human uh, that you would just start to marvel. Wow, God would do this? Why would God do this? And, and we've talked about that he was revealing the heart of God. And ultimately he would go and be crucified for us and pay for our sins. But this is quite mind-blowing that God took on humanity. Second of all, we looked at this passage where it says, and he dwelt among us. The idea is that he was present among us. That God became present among his creation. This is quite crazy too. Because God was seen as, well, he will appear in a temple behind a veil. The most holy priest can go visit him once a year. But that God would be out and around ordinary sinful people like us and be present, that's quite amazing, quite stunning. John says, yes, Jesus became flesh and he dwelt among us. He was present among us. We sang it earlier this morning, God with us. What word is that? God with us, it's Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Not a distant God, but a God that is with you. Jesus was showing this. I'm a God who intermingles with ordinary people because I want to show you the heart of God. And then last week we looked at this when John says we have seen his glory. We, last week we talked about the glory of God was seen in Jesus. The infinite worth, everything that God is, was somehow packaged in this man. And this infinite worth of God, a God that is compassionate and gracious and slow to anger, abounding in love, all of this was in this God-man. And John says, we have seen the glory of God. We have seen the glory of Jesus. We have seen his amazing worth as we've looked at his life. And because of that, we talked about last week, you and I, we get to glorify God. We get to show him off by the way we live. So that other people would look at us and say, you know what? We've seen what you did, and we know you're kind of a messed up person, but you doing something nice that speaks well of God. Well, then at the end of verse 14, it says this of Jesus, that he was full of grace and truth. And I want to talk about this 
today that Jesus was full of grace and truth. These are the descriptions of the gift that we have been given. A gift that is full of grace and truth. This is also a description of the giver. God himself is full of grace, full of truth. I was going to speak the entire time on this, but then as I kept reading, I said, okay, I'm just going to touch on grace and truth and and show you a few other things. Let's talk about grace for a bit, though. If you're taking notes, you can write down a few thoughts. Grace. Some of you, raise your hand if this has happened to you. You've been at a home, and maybe your home does this, and you're about ready to eat a meal, and somebody says, go ahead and say grace. You ever been in a house where they've said, let's say grace? What does that mean? Let's say grace? When someone says that, does everybody around the table all in unison go, grace? That's not what happens. Why why do we say that? (laughs) Let's say grace. The person doesn't say grace. They start breaking into a prayer, don't they? And usually part of that prayer is a prayer of thanksgiving. Grace, one of the uh, roots of the word grace really comes from where we get thanksgiving. And so when you hear someone say, let's say grace, they're really saying, let's give thanks. Saying grace probably just a more religious, formal way to say, let's give thanks. But the idea is, let's give thanks. Another way of grace, though, so one way of grace is to give thanks. But another thought for the word grace, and this is probably the way we use it more when we talk around here, when we talk about being a community of grace. Yes, it's a community that is thankful. But grace is undeserved gifts. Grace is an undeserved gift. Something you don't deserve, something you can't earn, and a gift that has been given to you. And in the Bible, we see grace many times this way. Let me show you a few passages. I want you to write these references down. Let's look at this one. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, the Apostle Paul says this, For you know, and he's talking to people like us, For you know the grace, the undeserved gifts of our Lord Jesus, that though he had it all, he became poor. Became human, became a servant, born in a lowly manger, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Not necessarily financially rich, but he's talking about so that you would have all these heavenly blessings. This is grace. This is an undeserved gift that God has given to us. And Paul says, We've talked about this. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus, you know the undeserved gifts that come from him. Now, John says he was full of this grace. He's full of undeserved gifts for us. Let me show you another passage that mentions the word grace, and it's found in Ephesians chapter 2. It says, it is by grace, it is by an undeserved gift that you have been saved through faith. Now, a lot of religions or places in the world would say, okay, if you want to be saved, if you want to go to heaven, if you want to be right with God, then you need to do a bunch of things. You memorize this Bible, or you get 30 days clean and sober, or, you know, whatever it is. You dress up real nice to church, whatever it is. Listen, none of that works. Paul says this, the Apostle Paul says, it is by grace. It is an undeserved gift to you that you are saved. Now, you have faith. You trust that Jesus and his payment for you secured that gift, but that is how you are saved. I don't want you to leave here today thinking that you're saved by anything else. I'm not saved because I dress a certain way and I live a certain way and I preach on Sundays. I'm saved because God gave me an undeserved gift. 
And there was a time and I said, you know what? I believe totally that Jesus' payment was enough. That saves us. That is an undeserved gift. That is grace. And this Jesus, John says, is full of grace. He also says he's full of truth. Full of truth. Jesus was truth. He communicated truth. One of the things he would say, and as you read the New Testament with us this year, you're going to see Jesus say this phrase, I tell you the truth. He doesn't say, I tell you a a lie. He doesn't say, I'm going to give you a partial truth. I tell you complete truth because I am full of grace and I'm full of truth. And then he goes on to say certain things. And some of them are wonderful and some of them are hard to listen to. Because they poke at our heart. But he says, I'm going to tell you the truth. And I communicate truth to you. Jesus is full of grace and truth. We read that Jesus at one point sent the spirit of truth. Then as I read about this, I thought because Jesus spoke truth. Because he was full of grace, everybody loved him on that part. But when he speaks truth, some people said, you know what? We are going to not listen to you. We're going to turn away from you. We're going to reject what you say. Frankly, you and I do this at times too, right? Jesus says, this is the best way to live, to serve and to give your life to others and follow me. And you and I say, "Mm, I don't know if I want to believe that. Jesus says, I'm truth and I'm telling you the way to God. I'm telling you the way to please God and I'm giving you the best possible life. But his truth, sometimes we just, even us, we say, "Uh, I don't know if I want to listen to that. But these two gifts, grace and truth, they go hand in hand. We've already sung about them. We'll sing a little more about that. Just listen this week to Christmas music. You'll hear grace and truth mentioned together. It's coming right out of this passage. John says, I looked at Jesus. I saw him with my own eyes. I lived with him for three years. And I want you to know that he was full of grace, undeserved gifts, and he was full of truth. And this is who he was. And so this first Christmas, John says, it, when he came, I want you to know the gift and the giver was full of grace and full of truth. That was at the first Christmas. Let's talk about that first Christmas a little more. I'm going to ask you to turn back one book to Luke chapter 8. So if you're in John, go back one to Luke. If you get to Matthew or Mark, you've gone a little too far. Luke chapter 8, page 857, if you're using this Bible here. I want to talk more closely about this first Christmas in Luke chapter 2. In fact, if you're looking for something to read with your family or on your own this week about the Christmas story, this is one of the accounts. Luke, he's a doctor. He wants to write everything specifically. And you can just read chapter 1 about Jesus coming and the angel's pronouncement of this. But in Luke chapter 2, we read about the birth of Jesus. Follow along as I start in verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And you wonder sometimes, why in all of our Christmas songs does it talk about shepherd and sheep and light? And it's, well, it's telling this story right here. Verse 9, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. We talked about this last week. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. 
Now, let's stop there. Because grace and truth has arrived in the person of Jesus, grace from God has arrived. Truth from God has arrived. The angel says, listen, I have good news of great joy for you. And as you look at this word, it's, it's more than just great joy. It literally says this, I'm bringing you good news of mega joy. Would you write this down? It's mega joy. This is where we get the word mega. I mean, it's like, it's bigger than you can imagine. It's more superior than the word great. The angel says, I'm bringing good news of mega joy. Can you just say mega joy? You got to do it with a little mega joy. All right, good. All right. The angels say, I'm bringing you this. This is the gift. This is the giver. Good news of mega joy. And when God gives gifts, he intends them to come with mega joy. When God gives gifts to you, not just eh, great joy, let's move on, but that you'd have mega joy and you'd go, whoa, this is life-changing for me. This is what God desires when he gives us gifts. Now, you parents, when we give gifts to our kids, or parents, when you've given them, you kind of hope this happens, right? You think, I've planned this, and I've spent all this money, and I've done all this planning, and I've, you know, uh, I've wrapped it in a certain way so that when they open it, they'd have mega joy, right? But what happens sometimes? Kids open it up, and they go, oh, that's great. What, what else is under the tree with my name on it? That happens sometimes, and we're like, oh, I was hoping you'd have mega joy. I, you know, I was hoping you'd get excited about this, but you... You just, uh. Now look at verse 11. When the angel says, there's good news of mega joy for all the people, he says, let me explain this, why there's going to be mega joy. Let me walk through this real quickly, if I could, with you. He says, one, there's a Savior. Do you see that in verse 11? For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. The angel is saying this, I want you to know that the rescuer from God has arrived the rescuer from God has arrived. See, here's the situation that the angel was addressing. You and I, we all have a sin problem. We were born into this. I mean, I've seen some cute little babies recently, but the babies have sin problems, as cute as they are. You and I all have a sin problem. And God had a plan to send a rescuer. It was this Jesus, his son. And the angel is saying there's good news for all the people because the rescuer from God has come and he is bringing with him mega joy. When you understand this, you have some joy in your heart. Maybe the Lord was trying to teach me more about this rescuer or so, I don't know. But last night I took my two-wheel drive car and drove it up into North Albany and then drove up a little higher to go visit some people. And before long, I noticed that they get more snow way up in the hills than we do down here, right? which means they have more ice than we have up here, and it hasn't all thawed up there. And, and before long, I, I'm stuck in my little two-wheel drive. My tires are spinning. I'm like, are you kidding me? In the dark, I'm going to have to put on chains. I only do this once a year. I, I mean, I had it down after doing it a few times last year, but I don't remember how to do this. And before long... The people that I came to visit, they come running down. They were my rescuers. And we're laying on the ice, and we're drenched and soaked and cold. But we got those tires on, and I was able to go 100 feet into his driveway. Oh, so much work. But the rescuer had come with bungee cords. 
And I was like, shoo, I was thinking I was going to have to spend the night in my car way up there in North Albany, missed this morning and all of that. But the rescuer came for me and it brought some mega joy to my heart. I don't have to spend the night in my car way up in North Albany. The angel said, listen, I want you to know what is coming for you is far greater than this. Because you have a massive sin problem, which means you're going to spend eternity and this present life apart from God. I'm bringing a rescuer so you can spend now and all eternity with God. What that should do for you, that good news, that should bring mega joy. I don't see it in some of your faces right now. You're like, uh, it's like great news. No, that's, that brings mega joy, right? All right, let me, yeah, there you go. When I see the word Christ, this isn't Jesus' last name when you're frustrated, okay? For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ. What that means is that the promised one from God has arrived. The promised one from God has arrived. The, and the angels were announcing The God who has been faithful all along, 4,000 years before Bethlehem there, God said, I know there's a sin problem in this world, and I'm going to fix it, and I'm promising that there's going to be a rescuer, and I'm promising that there's going to be a king who makes all things right. I'm promising, and I will be faithful to do this. And for 4,000 years, they're like, we haven't seen it yet, God. And he's like, just hang tight. The angel said, we've been waiting for this announcement for 4,000 years. This is good news of mega joy. Because the promised one, the faithful God, he's brought his promise right here. He's right here. There are a lot of things that would cause us to say, man, so-and-so is not faithful, and he's not faithful, and she's not faithful. My heart's not faithful, but God is faithful. He's the promised one, and he's arrived, and that brings mega joy. Then in verse 11 it says this, For unto us is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Lord, referring to master or king. The idea is that the reigning king from God has arrived. The one that God said will reign forever and ever and ever. Amen. He's arrived. Now, he looks like a baby, but he's arrived. This is all part of the plan. And so when John writes This one who is full of truth and grace has arrived. The angels are saying, yeah, it's right here in Bethlehem. Even as you read the story this week, I would hope that you'd see this is good news of mega joy for your heart. That a Savior came for you. That the promised one came. That the reigning king came. And he came full of these gifts of grace and truth. That's who he is. Our gifts, though, usually don't come with mega joy, right? I mean, good news of eh, great joy. I started thinking about the Christmas gifts I got last year. One of the gifts that my wife gives me every year for the last 20-plus years is she gets me some licorice. Uh, Red Vines is my favorite. I'm not saying this. Please don't give me any extra. I mean, uh, let's see. How many? uh, 16 grams of sugar for four twists times three and a half. You know, no, I don't need any more of that. I'm just telling you about a gift. If I've really been good, she gives me grape vines. Oh, woo, those are good. But I'll tell you what, this gift, as much as I love it, it leaves me empty before long. Because usually by January 1st, okay, let's be honest, by December 26th, this is gone. (laughs) 
And when I first see this and smell this and taste this, I'm like, what a great gift. But within two days, I'm like, it leaves me empty. Last year, I asked my wife, I said, could you get me a pair of shoes? Because I think if you get me a cool, trendy pair of shoes, I will feel better about myself. I didn't say all that, but that's what I meant. So she bought me these shoes, and I loved them for a while. And as I've been wearing them, they're falling apart, and the shoelaces are looking ratty. And I don't know if that's a coffee stain or something the dog did on the front of this, but, you know, and they don't smell real great anymore. And this gift, though it had some joy to it when I got it, is before long, those are going to be in the garbage can, right? There's, eh. Then I asked for this. I said, I would like, I don't have any Oregon State stuff, honey. Could you get me a coffee mug? She got me. Do you like this? All right. A few of you do. Anybody not like this? All right. All right. <laughs> My wife got me this, and I was like, oh, this is great. I just drank coffee out of it without washing it. You know, it's still kind of brown inside there. You know, just for a week, and I'm like, oh, this is so great. And I understand this gift is going to last a little longer unless I throw it up like this. This gift will last a little longer than the licorice, right? And then my littlest daughter, who's now 13, she made me a gift. Oh, no, I'm going to say something else first before that cute gift. I was looking at all those gifts, and I'm like, I'm going to eat that one, and the shoes will wear out, and the cup I'll keep on my desk. I bought myself some Christmas presents last year, just for myself. I just said, you know what? I understand those things. I'm going to be empty with those. I want something that's going to last. I mean, isn't that what we want? I want something that gives me mega joy. So I bought some baseball cards for myself last year. Here's what they are. Bob Feller card, 1956. This is my dad's favorite player from the Cleveland Indians, 1956, special year. And so I just bought that for myself. I put it in my office, and I'm thinking, this gift will give me mega joy. I'll put it on my shelf. I'll have it forever. Johnny Bench, whoo, he was one of my heroes growing up. Cincinnati Reds from my birth year. I'm thinking, if I have a gift like this, this will last forever, Right? thinking about it this week, I thought, once I die, my kids are going to like, who's Bob Feller and John Johnny? You know, throw them in the garbage or something. These gifts don't really last, do they? There's something empty in all of them. So my daughter, she made me something last year. It said, Dad, this is the back of it. Not real pretty. Dad, Merry Christmas 2015. Love you, Ashley. Happy golfing, and may the course be with you. Here's what it says on the front. I got a hole in one. All right. As I read more closely, it says I got a bogey on every hole and threw my putter in one of the lakes. (laughs) And when I opened that up, I had mega joy. I thought my daughter was crafty and thoughtful. And she did more than go on eBay and buy something for me, but she made that for me. And I'm thinking, this is going to last for a while, right? Because it represents our relationship. But before long, there's probably some emptiness in that, too. It's like, man, the joy, I, I almost have to read it every day to get that joy again. Just reading to you was like, ah, oh, that's beautiful. But sometimes that joy is gone when I just leave it on my desk in my office. As I was thinking about that, I thought, you know what? Uh, Sometimes this happens with our gifts. You're going to open gifts this week, and 
you'll give some gifts, and you're going to hope for mega joy, and, and you might have it for a moment, but let's be honest, you will eat it, or it will wear out, or it will break, or it will just be put on a shelf, and you'll say, man, I'm still missing something, I'm still missing something. When the angel says, I've got good news for you of mega joy, the idea is that this is not going to fade away. You will not be empty with this Jesus because he is full of grace and truth. The idea is Jesus is going to bring a fullness in each of you. Go back to John, if you would. Flip back to John chapter 1. I want to read a couple more verses to you. John chapter 1, verse 14 again, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Then in parentheses there, he says, oh, By the way, I just need to say this about John the baptizer. This isn't me, John, but John the baptizer. John bore witness about Jesus and cried out, This was he whom I said, he who comes after me, One's following me. He actually ranks before me because he was before me. I, John the Baptist kept saying, there's one I'm telling you about. He's coming, and he's actually far more important. He's from God. He's always existed. Puts that in parentheses there. But then John gets back and says this in verse 16. And I had an epiphany from the Lord this week as I'm reading this. Because I don't think I really read verse 16. I forget about it sometimes. And John says this, for from his fullness, from God, from Jesus, from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. From the one who is full of grace and truth, from his completeness, from him being completely God, you and I, we all receive grace upon grace. We get undeserved gifts Upon undeserved gifts, it keeps coming. You're never empty from Jesus. The idea is that he gives gifts so that you would never be empty. My wife, I'm hoping, gets me another one of these this week. It'll hopefully be great. But it's going to be empty before long. All right, that coffee mug, someday I would think it would get lost or broken or something. The shoes certainly are on their way out. But Jesus has something from his fullness. He gives grace upon grace, and it doesn't stop. It keeps going and going and going. So let me share with you, from his fullness of grace, what we receive. Because this Christmas, this week as you go to parties, exchange gifts, whatever you do, you're going to maybe give, and you're going to receive some things. I want you to know that with Jesus, it should be like Christmas every day because out of his fullness, he has grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. And so whether you gather around a tree or at a home, whatever you might do, my hope is that you'd see that from Jesus, you have grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. Undeserved gift upon undeserved gift. Now, I was thinking about this. January, February, they say it's some of the most depressing months of the year. I was thinking, why? Is it the weather? Maybe so. We get stuck inside. We don't exercise. Maybe it's because we have to put the decorations away. Maybe. Maybe is it because for a couple months, 
we've been just thinking about what we're going to put under this tree. And then on December 26th or January 5th or whatever, we say, I was so looking forward to this. That happens to us, doesn't it? I mean, sometimes December 26th is just a very depressing day. It's like, huh, there's no more presents for us. It's all gone. We feel empty. That's not what God has in mind for you. Jesus came with fullness, in his fullness, to give you grace upon grace that it would not end. That you would not be empty. But, let's be honest, December 26th, some of us will start to feel empty. Let me share with you three gifts. Three gifts that God has given us. And if you embrace these gifts that I'm going to share with you, if you continue to open your eyes to these gifts every single day, you will not have an empty feeling. So for me this week, I told you earlier that I woke up one morning and I started thinking about all the things I had to do and I started thinking about the problems in life and at work and this and that and in the neighborhood and the world and all of this. I just said, I need to open up a Christmas gift. And it was none that my wife wrapped for me, but it was the ones that I want to share with you right here. These are gifts. These are gifts. And you can open them up every single day. And before my feet had hit the ground, as I opened up these gifts again, I was like, that's good news of mega joy. I got mega joy. I even wrote on my connection card for a service. I said, this is my prayer, that I would continue to have mega joy regardless of what happens. I don't know what's going to happen today, this next week. Neither do you. But you can still have mega joy if you would open up these gifts this week. Let me share them with you. First one is this. Light and life. Light and life. You say, man, that just doesn't sound like an awesome gift. Let me explain it to you a little bit. And we've sung some of this already this morning. But if you go up to verse 4 in John chapter 1, go there. John says this, In him, Jesus, was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness... Here's the problem, the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness has not understood this, but the darkness can't overcome the light of Jesus. Why is this such a gift, light and life? Consider light for a bit. Just consider the lights in this room. We've got them on the trees, on the walls, on the ceiling. We've got this wonderful light called the sun giving us some light through these windows. But it's a much bigger light than this. Here's the situation. Every single one of us was at one point spiritually blind. Every single one of us. I don't care what kind of background you grew up from. Every single one of us was born spiritually blind. The story of Jesus would not have made sense to us left in our blindness. But God opened our eyes with his light and said, Ta-da! I love you. I've paid for you. He opened our eyes. And if every day you wake up and say, I am not a blind man anymore because Jesus has given me light, I'll tell you, that brings mega joy. Same thing with life. Every single one of us, yes, we were born physically, but we were spiritually dead before God did something to make us alive with Christ. Wasn't you being good? He said, listen, I've done this great thing. I'm going to open your eyes so you see this. I'm going to give you faith to believe in me. And then what happens is I will take you who were spiritually dead and I will give you spiritual life. And if you and I would wake up every single day and say, wait a second, 
regardless of how my body feels or what's on my agenda, I've been given light and life from God. After that, really doesn't matter that the dog poops on the carpet or whatever, okay? Light and life from God. It's good news of mega joy. If you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you have seen this light. You've experienced this life. Maybe you're here and you're exploring this. I'm telling you, until you turn to Jesus, this won't make complete sense. But when you do, he will say, "Woo! see this light. Let me give you life. Do you have this life? Have you seen this light? There's one gift that you should open up every single day. And if you've forgotten about it by lunch, open it up again. I have light and life through Jesus Christ. From his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. Let me show you a second gift I think you should be opening up every single day. And it's this. It is adoption and eternal salvation. This is what I have received. Adoption and eternal salvation. When I woke up and started thinking about my life, and I was like, oh, man, all the things I got to do, and this and that, and I just stopped for a second, opened this gift, and said, wait a second. I have been adopted into the God of the universe, the King of kings, the King, the, the greatest King. I've been adopted into His family. I, because of that, have a family relationship now and for all eternity. I'm like, bring on anything else, okay? Because I'm a child of the King, Any other children of the king in here? Okay, open that gift every single day. Let me show you a passage in Ephesians chapter 1 or just read it to you. It says this, that he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace. He adopted us just for the praise of his grace. He says, I, have, I got grace upon grace upon grace, and I've adopted you so that you'd say, God, you have amazing grace upon grace upon grace in my life. Open that gift to yourself every single day. That one doesn't wear out. That one doesn't break. That one doesn't get stinky. That one never leaves you empty. It's like, I've been adopted into his family through faith in Jesus. Start your day with that gift. From his fullness, we have received grace upon grace. Last one I want to share with you is this. The gift that we have received, overflowing joy. Overflowing joy. It's interesting to me that this word thanks and grace and joy really have the same root, the same root word, and it's where we get rejoicing. It, rejoicing, out of rejoicing, if you're rejoicing, sure you can be thankful. Why are we rejoicing? Because we've received grace. What happens is we rejoice, we, we continue to have more joy in our life. Grace upon grace produces this joy in us. Let me read to you a couple things Jesus said in John chapter 15. As he's about ready to go to the cross, this is one of the last things we have recorded that he says. He says, these things I've spoken to you. He's talking to his followers. That my joy may be in you. Now he is full of grace and truth. He has fullness of joy. And he says, my joy is to be in you. And that your joy may be full. This is what I desire for you. 
I don't desire you to walk around and go, oh man, life stinks. I can't wait till I get to heaven. Listen. He says, okay, you got cancer. You can still have joy. Think, you have already received light and life. You've already received adoption into his family. This is a tough one to grasp, but you have overflowing joy from the one who is full of joy. It's a fountain that will never run dry. You have that access. Jesus says that my joy would be in you, that your joy would be full. He later prays this to the Father in John 17. He says, Father, now I'm coming to you. I'm about ready to die. I'm ready to rejoin you here. These things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. This is what Jesus wanted. He said, I've lived and I've shown them the way. It's been full of grace and truth. It's abounding with grace upon grace. That my joy would be in them. That they would have fullness of joy. Now some of you will say, man, because I got licorice and shoes and a coffee mug and I bought myself a present, you know, and my kid was thoughtful, I'll have joy. Take joy in those things, absolutely. But those things will run dry. But the fact that you've been given these gifts, light and life and adoption and overflowing joy, open these presents up every single day, sometimes more than once a day. So that you would experience this joy. From his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. This is my desire, this is my prayer, that you would experience this, this week and in the coming weeks. And that when everybody else says there's a Christmas letdown, you say, actually, I still got more gifts coming. (laughs) What? You go, what other gifts do you have? I got light and life and adoption. I got overflowing joy from a fountain that never runs dry. Frankly, as I read the Bible, there's a whole lot more gifts. I just shared three with you. But as you read this, you'll say, oh, God has given me grace upon grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. My prayer is that you'd look to the gift. You'd look to the giver today, this week, this coming week, and say, oh, he's pouring out in his fullness, grace upon grace. Here's my prayer for you. May you receive the joy from God that he has graciously given you. May you receive it. You have to receive this. God says, I've got this open for you right here. May you receive this gift, this grace that he gave you in the giving of his one and only son. This isn't just a history event that we sing about once a year. This is the one who came full of grace and truth. In his fullness, he gives grace upon grace upon grace. My brothers and sisters, may you receive that today and every day. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the fun that we get to have this week and the season that we've been in. We've been able to bless our neighbors and get to know them and give gifts. That some of us get to have Christmas trees and some presents and we get to deliver some and open some. And and I thank you for fun times like that. I thank you for friends. I thank you for a church family 
where we get to have connection and relationship. But I thank you most of all for this gift, Jesus, who became flesh and lived among us, who revealed your glory, and he is full of grace and truth. And out of his fullness, we get grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. God, would you help me? Would you help my brothers and sisters? Because we don't know what's coming today. We don't know what's coming this next week. We don't know what's coming this next year. But would you help us to open these gifts every day, multiple times a day, to know that, yes, I have received light and life through Jesus. I have received adoption into your family. I have overflowing joy from a spring that will never run dry. God, would you help us to embrace that? And out of that, would you then use that light in us that people would say, how come you're so happy? It's January. You say, no, no, no. I I still have grace upon grace from a God who is full of grace and truth. So thank you for that. God, help us to worship you this week with this, to make it much more than what's under the tree, but what you have truly given us. And so we thank you for the joy that you offer to us. We thank you for the joy that you're producing in us. Fill us with this joy for your glory and for the sake of others around us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you please stand as we sing one last song together today?